This is your wake up call. Wake the fuck up. The Breakfast Club, the show you love to hate. From the East to the West Coast. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. The realest show on the planet. This is why I respect this show because this is a voice to society. Changing the game. You guys are the, the coveted morning show, but y'all earn it. Impacting the culture. They wake up in the morning and they, they want to hear that Breakfast Club. The world's most dangerous morning show. Being a mother, being a. Good morning, Charlemagne. Good morning, Angela Yee. Peace to the planet is Tuesday. What's happening? What a Tuesday. What what a Tuesday? It just started. What what happened? What I miss? Now, you know, I've been doing some work on um this house I bought, and mm-hmm. it's just been a lot of drama. That's all that I've been dealing with. It's a, it's a little overwhelming. No, it's kind of making sure you have the right permits, and then the neighbors are calling the Department of Buildings, all kinds of stuff. Well, you got to look on the bright side, right? It's a good problem to have, you know. At least you got a new crib. Not yet. I mean, yeah, I do. It's just stressful. It's just stressful, gotcha. or as you would say. Scressful. Scressful with a K. Okay. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. Um, we're here to present another great edition of the Breakfast Club to you. Hopefully, we have a, a one of my favorite authors on this morning. Um, I've read everything that he's put out. You know, the Artist Seduction, the Thirty Three Strategies Award, the Law of Human Nature, and Mastery, the Fiftieth Law, and of course, the, the Forty Eight Laws of Power, just to name a few. Mr. Robert Green will be joining us this morning. Yes, indeed. I don't even know. I've read, what, read almost all of those. I've but read. Mastery, I actually really enjoy Mastery, and I quote that book all the time just because I feel like sometimes people think success can come overnight, but they don't understand. If you want to be amazing at something, you do have to master it. Yeah, I've always wondered if Outliers influenced uh, the Mastery. Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers influenced the Mastery. Because the whole, you know, the Outliers of the 10,000 hour theory of Mastery is more like you know, 20,000 or just an unlimited amount of hours. Just put the work into the craft. Man, somebody just walked in looking like they um used to date John Travolta in Greece. <laughs> you like a little pink portal what? in here. Sandy over here. Yo, what's Can you see what you this did? guy is wearing? Oh my God. You ever see? I'm, I'm, a, I'm uh, one of the pink ladies? Yes, I'm yeah. 42 years old. I remember the pink ladies from Greece. What's you look like Does he look like, not look like one of the pink ladies? Can you I'm see like no damn. She can see me. I, I don't see like him. no damn pink my lady. My God. Shout out to Currency. Currency sent me some... Uh, Jackets and clothes, so this is his jet life uh, stuff. So currency, currency. currency meant to send that for your wife, man. Yours is black or blue or something. Yo, sure, man, I can't I wear that, pink. I know men can wear pink. What's wrong with you? I mean, they can, but you look stupid. It's your, you know what it is? It's the fact that you beige with the pink. You Yo, know, it's the, con, the color. Not, it's the color contrast it, is like. Ugh. Matter of fact, Dramo's hat matches my outfit. Look at Dramo's hat. Hey man, I'm not knocking okay. you, brother. I'm just telling you. Well, you for anybody like who can drag me down with. see these guys, just know that every time I look at DJ Envy, I get angry. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because I let him borrow my headphones one day, and Ab- he's just kept. And Ab- it was years ago. And After he's a year, it's, and it's not yours anymore. I don't know if you know that. And rule. then he refuses to give them back. And then there's days I come in and I don't have headphones, and he's sitting there nice and snug with my headphones on. These are yours. 
Yes, you know that. It has a nice uh, watermelon sticker on it. That's how you know it's mine. I think that's your jacket, too. Yeah. I just want to know what Pink Lady Envy <laughs> is. Are you Rizzo? Are you Jan? Are you Marty? Frenchie? Sandy? I'm calling you Sandy I would for the say whole show. Frenchie. What's Frenchie? wrong with y'all? Frenchie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you Frenchie. Men can wear pink. You're Frenchie. You're Frenchie Beauty school dropout. Shout to Harlem. <laughs> Shout to Cameron. Shout to Jim Jones. Shout to Don't bring Santana. anybody else in this. Freaky! You always want to bring other people in this, uh-huh. okay? Cam- Throw some Dipset music on right now Cam- while we're talking. Cameron wore pink in a decade. He won't pick the other day. He got a pink car. What are you talking I'm about? I'm going to tell you something. It looked better on him than it do you. You look like Frenchie, bro. I'm telling you. Oh you my God. I don't even know lady. who Frenchie is, well, man. Well, don't worry. Somebody going to Photoshop you in with the pink ladies before the show is over. Where you got no dipset that music? Is, that no is Uncle Charles' wish. My right, goodness. Let's start the show, man. All right. Front page news. What are we talking about? Well, it's unfortunate and tragic. We have to start with this mass shooting that took place Lord, at a grocery mercy. store in Colorado. Ten people dead. Everybody back in quarantine. Because I ain't used to hear none of this stuff when quarantine was going on. Let's get back in quarantine if this is what we're about to do. Oh, there we go. Turn it up a little more. Yo, Dan, get one of the Pink Lady songs from Greece so it's more fitting. Dan. Ballin! We'll be back. It's the Breakfast Get one of the Pink Lady songs from Greece. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning. I sent you a video. We'll take it out when you get a minute. Listen, I don't want to see you performing any Pink Lady songs, all right? Just, just watch. Just if watch you want to be a beauty school dropout. What the hell is this? You're going to learn these words and you're going to perform this bus before the day's over. Why you take the coat off? It's hot. The coat is what really made you a pink lady. A pink lady. Goodness crazy. All right. Well, let's get into front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, we have some really sad news to start with. Ten people were killed after a gunman opened fire in a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado. This was at a King Supers that's owned by Kroger Supermarket. And a suspect is in custody, according to Boulder Police Chief Maris Harold. Authorities did not share any information on his identity or the type of weapon, but they did say one authority told CNN that it was an AR-15. They said they are working around the clock to get all this accomplished. And one police officer was slain, 51-year-old Eric Talley. He was one of the first officers to respond to the scene. He had joined the Boulder Police Force back in 2010. They did not disclose the identity of any of the other victims. Now, now, one person did speak to Aaron Burnett on CNN, Ryan Borowski. He said he was shopping at the store when he heard the first shots. Listen to Ryan's account. When we ran out the back door, uh, we were all single file. And I had my hand on one person's back and another person had their hand on my back. We weren't tripping on each other. Nobody fell down. Uh, when we got to the back of the house, there were some people who started to run into like uh, a pantry or some sort of storage area and a dead end. And uh, employees made sure to uh, show them the way out. I just threw my groceries on a shelf and just yeah. took off for my life. Mm. Do we ever get a break in America? No. Is it always something like Jesus? I, like last year during the pandemic, you know, I didn't hear about a lot of mass shootings. You know what I mean? So I guess now that everybody's you know back outside a back little bit, outside, people, back people, open, yeah. people back actively doing this type of stuff. Like, come on, do mm. we ever? Yeah, this get is a break? the seventh mass shooting in the United States in the past seven days. And here's what else Ryan Borowski had to say about not feeling safe. It doesn't feel like there's anywhere safe anymore sometimes. And this feels like the safest spot in America. And I just nearly got killed for getting a a soda, you know, and a bag of chips. Wow. Do we have a motive? So damn sad. No, no motive yet. Did they get the guy? They caught the guy. Yeah. Yes, they have him in custody. Always in custody. They didn't kill him. He must no. be white. White man? Yes. 
Of course. Look like a white man. Okay. All right. Well, that is your front page news. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Maybe your coworkers are bullying you because you just wore a little pink. I don't know what it may be. Beauty school dropout. I'm telling, I'm telling. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm telling. I'm call, calling you. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? It's Mike. Mike, what's up, man? Get it off your chest, Mike. My girl licked my goose, man. What? Your girl licked your boots or your booty? Oh, your goose. Well, Mario. Huh? You liked it. I like it. What is happening? Let me you speak to her. Put, her. put her on the line. Put her on the line. Nah, she, she getting out of the car now. She's scared. Nah, don't, look, don't get scared. She got up in that thing, man. Hey, <laughs> congratulations, King. Round of applause to you. I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy need, for you, bro. You need to buy her something today when she get off work. Don't buy her Bentley or nothing, but you need to buy her something small, bro. Well, I'm about to go get her out of the gas station right now. That's the gas station. That's right. Don't feel bad about that, brother. That gooch, that gooch, that gooch is a good feeling. But yeah, you need to buy something, brother. <laughs> We're not joking. Buy something. Tell her you love her. All right, I got. You. Hello, who's this? What up, though? This is Lee from Detroit. What up, though? Man, I need to vent real quick. What's up? First, I want to mm. say I'm extremely blessed. Got a good job, good wife, good family, all that good stuff, but. It was just brought to my attention. The post office has just approved 15 weeks of 100% pay for people to take off. But they will not reward the people who come to work. I haven't taken off a day since all this kicked off. Not one wow. day I've missed. Damn. But they will not reward the people who come to work every day like we supposed to. But they want to keep giving people excuses and reasons to take off. Now, granted, some people need it, but everybody don't. Yeah, I heard a lot of businesses, or if you have to go take a COVID test, they're giving you like a half a day to go get tested. I heard a lot of people are really taking advantage of that. Not our job. They bring the test to you. They ain't giving you nothing off. And another thing, man, so when it was election time, we had everybody talking about the post office. Rashida Tlaib, Gary Peters, Brenda Lawrence. But we don't hear nothing no more. Now that they got their little seats and they reelected, we don't hear nothing no more about the post office. Man, it's right. getting real ridiculous, dog. You're right about that. I will say this, though. I feel like you should take some time off. You I don't think you need a little... And overtime is ridiculous pay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, keep getting that money, brother. Don't worry about anybody but, else. Keep getting that money. Fair enough. But you still got to have self-care, though, brother. Self-care is very important for your mental and emotional health, man. You absolutely right. You no question about it. But I sleep good knowing that I'm putting dollars in the bank. But still, we should be rewarded for coming to work, man. This is the Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're man or blessed. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on the Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Yes, this is Hayes right here. I was, I was calling to speak to Envy. Hey, sir. Good morning. How you doing, Envy? Um, I just wanted to call you, man. Um, I, I attended two of your seminars, and um, I, I created my LLC. I went through Joe, Joe, the credit dude, and he's working on my credit right now, and I actually have a property, and I, I don't really care about the radio, man. I just I just want I just the only way I can get in touch with you as far as contractors for a property that I have. And I have I have some liquid that I can um, invest into this property, so I just need your help as far as contract. Where's the property at, bro? And the, and the, and the credit dude's name is Jose, not not Joe. His name is Jose. Oh, that's his brother I'm, Joe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're I'm, right. That I'm was sorry. his brother Joe. But where is the um 
the property at? It's in New. It's in New in New Jersey. It's in New in New Jersey, and um, I just need your help, man. I really need your help. I tried to reach out to Luigi Reynolds. I tried to reach out to a bunch of other people um, from the program, but my only last option was to call you on the radio. All right, just hold on. I'll give you a list of uh, like four or five contractors. You call them all. You make them all come to the property, and then you get the the best price and the best feeling and the best work. You know, whenever you do right, a job, you, you get a couple of people to come in to, to give you that quote because you never know who's trying to get over on you. You never know who's missing something. And he knows the same. Like, you, you get a couple of people to do the quote and then somebody you can trust. All right. All right. So, so but these are going to be the reliable, these are your reliable guys right here? Yeah. I, I, I call I call a couple of people when I do work. Uh, like, even when I have a plumber come, I, I call the two or three plumbers. When I have an electrician, I call two, three electricians just to make sure that I'm getting the right price because people will try to overprice you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live. They will try to get you if they can. But hold on. I'll get you some numbers. All right, bro? Okay, thank you. I'm going to stay on the phone right now. All right. Hold on. Hello. Who's this? What's up, Trav? Trav, hey, boo. What's up, Char? Pieces, how are you? I'm doing good. Listen, man, I, I, I hate to do this to my guy, but I got to talk about Melo real quick, man. What happened? He stood like you up? I don't like how Melo lied last week. What are you lied uh -oh. about? Singing to you? <laughs> when y'all played the video of him singing, Envy asked him a clear question and said, is that the video you sent Trav? And this nigga said no. <laughs> oh, that wasn't the video? Why do you think he's lying? Yeah, like, don't be lying. Like, if something was, like, there won't nothing weird about it. That's the video you sent. Oh, yeah, he attracted to you, Trey. <laughs> because there's no reason and to lie so, about that if he's not attracted to you. And so I got to, I got to, no, he's not attracted to me. He, he's really not. But look, so I got to do actually say that the song that he was singing, and you said that's the song that everybody, that's the go-to song. You're actually right. I know. Everybody can sing that song, and that is the go either that one or Donnell Jones. But oh. you said you liked it. It was. I played your thing, but don't be lying. <laughs> all right, Trav. Tell us when you hit, all right? All right, yeah, word. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Hello, who's this? Yo, this is Todd. I'm calling you from Cleveland. Todd, what up? Get it off your chest. How you feeling, Charlemagne? Envy? Peace, King. E, you pretty thing. Hey. You doing your thing. Hey, listen, little mama, little mama's making a case that I think should be talked about in the public sector about heterosexual rights movement. Although I don't support her fully in part she does talk about some things that i think people should be looking at seriously such as the um actual um value of evidence and proof and you know that whereas i don't think it's technically wrong or morally wrong for somebody to mask their gender i do think and i know that it is completely wrong to be forced to accept somebody as having changed their gender when human cellular biology says that you have not and cannot accomplish that. I'm not a Christian. I know the pursuit of Christianity very well. I don't think somebody should be pressured into trying to um, marry two men or two women if you're a Christian minister and have to um, face a whole bunch of controversy because it's so far left of what your doctrine teaches. And in the taxpayer-funded neighborhood public schools, where they're teaching history, writing, mathematics, arithmetic, please teach civics, and biology and chemistry, they don't necessarily need to have to um, be teaching um, about homosexual relationships anymore than they need to be teaching about heterosexual hey, yo, King, 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 I'm going to tell you something. What? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I... Mama, are you aware? She wants to start a heterosexual rights movement. Heterosexual rights movement? Yeah, spend some time with it. Maybe it could be a topic for your show later next week or something. Maybe you could get her on 
and um, then you kind of be able to follow better what I'm saying. Yeah, let me dig and, into and it a little bit. Yeah, I think she saying. was saying. I think she was saying something. Part of it was she didn't she didn't want to see. Uh, any type of relationship on television, not uh, heterosexual relationships. Or but you see those all the time. Yeah, right. but I think she was just That's saying she doesn't want to see any total. of it. Yeah, she said she didn't want to see any of it because it doesn't allow kids to make up their own mind because they can be, you know, uh, impressionable. That's huh? why I said I'm not with her in total, but she is on to something to such a degree that they're actually... Why are we talking it, about this so long? Because it's, a, because I, it's a part of the social conversation, which you actually talk about on your broadcast. I, but I got to know what I'm talking about. I don't have no yeah, idea we, what you're talking about. Well, pick it up. Pick it up. Spend some time with it. Wrestle with it. You work true. for Dramo Show? Because Dramos hangs up on anybody else, him and Envy. But today, for whatever reason, they just... I want to hang with Envy. It's like, what do we talk? All of that, we, we act like we got so much time here on this show. Like, that's oh, what we chose now, to talk about now. for two, three minutes. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk NBA Youngboy. It's about time. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Rumor Report. Rumor Report. This is the Rumor Report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. NBA Youngboy is in FBI custody. LAPD cops did pull him over and they tracked him down when he tried to flee the scene, according to TMZ. They said that he has an outstanding federal warrant and that set off a pursuit. And once the car stopped, they said um, NBA Youngboy then ran on foot and the cops set up a perimeter. They brought in a canine to help find him and the police dog did not bite him, but they did sniff him out and find him. I, for one, am shocked by these developments. There's nothing about NBA Youngboy that makes me believe he would be a prime candidate for jail. Why would the police ever be looking for him? He seems so pleasant. Yeah, but what did he do where, they, where, where he had a warrant? Did it, do we know what the warrant was? Uh, the outstanding federal warrant? Uh, listen, I don't know, but all I know is they found a firearm in the vehicle. They said they're unclear if that belongs to him as of now. I know before he had gotten stopped and uh, they found some guns, but he said none of them were his. So I want to know where he was running. You are an NBA young boy. You do know that, right? I think that's your yeah. first reaction is just to run. You know what I mean? I'm surprised the dog didn't bite him. My first reaction Listen. wouldn't be the one if I was a rapper making millions of dollars. <laughs> okay? I would it wouldn't be to, to run? No. Yeah. Would, if he had a warrant, you might want well, to run. Probably, I don't, get think, a, get an attorney I don't, I don't know if he know he, if he had a warrant or not. Mm. I think I thought he was running because there was guns in the car. But my point with that is somebody else should have been claiming those guns because I am NBA young boy. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you just want to, I don't know, I guess probably for a lot of people, your first reaction is to get out of there, no? No, unless I'm doing something yeah. wrong. Yeah, the um, uh, the federal investigation is after he got arrested for drug and firearm charges after police responded to reports of a large group of people brandishing weapons while filming a music video. I am shocked. And he said none of them belong to him. All right. Now, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey has sold the NFT of his first tweet for $2.9 million. Remember, we were talking about these NFTs and he announced a digital auction for the post. It was the first ever tweet that was sent out 15 years ago. And yes, $2.9 million is how much that went for. Yeah, I totally understand the NFTs now. Jim Jones put us mm -hmm. on. He was on The Breakfast Club last week. And, you know, I've had other people in my team talk to me about it. So I totally understand what it is. I just mm -hmm. don't understand why people would pay that much pay money, that much money yeah, for I that don't. kind of stuff. But, mm -hmm. I don't, but shut up. Let me shut right. up. Right. I'm damn sure about to put little... my digital footprint out there. I'm going to find me something to sell. I learned it about a, a while ago because one of my friends who's an artist was selling some of his artwork and he was explaining to me how it worked. And he was like, listen, you could be doing this. You could be doing pieces of interviews and selling those. 
um, music videos, whatever, people can do that. All right. And a signed Jay-Z trading card sold for a record-breaking price. And that was $105,780. It's a one-of-one card. Initially, it was lingering around $2,000 on the online auction site. Then one buyer started heating it up and it ended up uh, going for $105,000. They said that's an all-time record for any non-sports TCG card. Question. That's beautiful, by the way. But does Jack's tweet appreciate with value? Will it be worth more in the future? We don't know what's going to happen with these NFTs. But what I do know is that with NFTs, if somebody else, whoever bought it, sells it, the original person still gets a piece of that. Mm. So as much as people trade it and sell it, it's still the original owner will still get a percentage. So the more people that sell it and trade it and all of that, you get a little more money as can, an owner. Because I can understand why that tweet would have value. Is that the first tweet ever? Because that is. Yeah. It, but it's a the first tweet but ever. It's, right? it's a yeah. copy of the tweet, right? No, it's, yeah, it's a digital. It's okay. a digital. Yeah, it's copy. digital. So you know, it's all digital. All these things, NFTs are are digital copies. Nick said it's not, but it's the first tweet ever, right? Like ever, because Jack runs Twitter. So yeah, but, but he said it's, anybody can see it. Anybody can copy it. So you, I mean, yeah, you anybody can, can see it. Mm-hmm. But it's minted. Yeah, it's, but it gives you a digital certificate of authenticity, so yeah, it confirms that it's real. It's one of a kind. Nobody else will have it, and it's the only one. I just want to know does it appreciate with value? That's all. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. And are they paying cash? You can never tell if something appreciates. I mean, that's just uh, up in the air. Just like when you buy art, you don't know if it's going to appreciate or not. Yeah, some art you can, you know, if it's going to appreciate. Just like some vehicles, you know, it's going to appreciate. But I'm just curious about what happens, you know, because right now it's a fad, right? Everybody wants to do it. But let's say people say, you know what? I don't like this anymore. Well, let's get, let's get some money now and figure all that out later. Wow, what you want to put as right. an NFT? First, he got his first uh, breakfast club. We got a bunch of stuff we could post. Post first breakfast club promos we've ever done. iHeart's gonna be like an no. Our we party. shot those on our own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure did. We shot those on our own, buddy. Sure did. Okay, that was hard. That was our dime. Yeah, our that was resources. our dime. That was Sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, buddy. That's when iHeart didn't believe. Yeah, we paid that right. on our own. That's a fact. That is ours. We own that. That is a fact. All right, that's your rumor report. All right, front page news next. What are we talking about? Man, some more drama that happened in uh, Miami Beach over spring break. We'll tell you what unfortunate incidents happened. And, of course, we'll give you an update on what happened in Boulder, Colorado. All right. We'll get to that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. All hail the Queen. Academy Award nominee Cynthia Erivo stars as Aretha Franklin in Genius Aretha, the Emmy-winning series from National Geographic. Find out how the Queen of Soul earned her crown in Genius Aretha. The four-night event premieres Sunday at 9, 8 central on National Geographic. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha God. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get some front-page news. Where we starting, Yee? Well, let's first go to Miami Beach. Now, two men who are spring breakers from Greensboro, North Carolina, that were visiting South Beach have been arrested. They've been accused of drugging and raping a woman who later on died in her hotel room. The men, Edouard Collier, who's 21, and Dorian Taylor, 24, are also accused of stealing her credit cards to spend money on their trip in South Beach. Mm -hmm. So the arrest come as... As you know, it's been a, a bit of a mess out there in Miami Beach. And they said they could be charged with burglary with battery, sexual battery, petty theft, and the fraudulent use of a credit card. If the drug that they gave her is proven to have played a role in her death, they could also potentially face a manslaughter or murder charge. The woman was a 24-year-old visiting from Pennsylvania. She was staying at the Albion Hotel. Now, what happened was this. They met her at a restaurant, according to what the men told detectives. And they said that they gave her a green pill 
They believed it was Percocet. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And now they've sent that to the lab. They don't know if it was fentanyl or some other narcotic. And they say they plan they plan to have sex with the victim. And walking into the hotel, they said the woman was staggering that they had to hold her up as they walked into the elevator, holding her from behind, holding her by the neck so that she could stand. At, once at the hotel, they each had sex with her. And at one point, uh, they said you could. he forced himself on her as she appeared to be unconscious. And then when it became clear that she was unconscious, they stole her cash or credit cards and her phone and left her in the room without any concern for her welfare or safety. They then used the stolen credit card at various locations in Miami Beach, and they were caught on video surveillance actually using her credit card. Yep, they're going to wake up in a prison 10 years from now, kicking themselves, thinking about that stupid-ass mm-hmm. choice they made to go down to, uh, the, the, the the South Beach and, 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 and do that to a young lady. But Mm-mm. yeah, They deserve life. They they absolutely oh, they positively gone. They gone. deserve they gone life. For a long time. You 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 drug that woman, you rape that woman, twenty four year old woman. And then you just leave her there to die by herself and steal her credit and, cards and, and her cell phone. Steal her credit cards and cash and and use them. My Disgusting goodness. disregard for a woman's life. All right, now 10 people, there's no good news this morning. 10 people, including a police officer, were killed Monday. A gunman opened fire in a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado. And that was at a King Super store. The suspect is in custody, according to Boulder Police Chief Maris Herald. But they haven't released his name. They haven't released his identity or the type of weapon, but what we are hearing is that it was an AR-15. Now, they said the slain officer is 51-year-old Eric Talley. They haven't released the names of the other victims as they're contacting the families, but they said Eric Talley was one of the first officers to respond to the scene, and he had joined the Boulder Police Force back in 2010. so, really a sad situation, and our condolences to all of the families who are affected by this. We play, in, we play some bets on a game of, uh, guess what race it is! The fact that they haven't released his name, but 10, uh, 10 people shot or 10 people dead. Which one was it, E? 10 people killed. 10 people killed, but they haven't released his name. I'm, I'm saying our- white male for 500, Alex. Now, Ryan Borowski was shopping at at the store, and he first heard the shots, and he said by the third shot, everybody was running. Here's what he told Aaron Burnett on CNN. When we ran out the back door, uh, we were all single file, and I had my hand on one person's back, and another person had their hand on my back. We weren't tripping on each other. Nobody fell down. Uh, when we got to the back of the house, there were some people who started to run into like uh, a pantry or some sort of storage area and a dead end. And uh, employees made sure to uh, uh, show them the way out. I just threw my groceries on a shelf and just yeah. took off for my life. I know one thing. If that was a black man, Latino, Muslim who was uh, in custody and who was the suspect, we'd know his name, his background, what he got in trouble for in eighth grade by now. They haven't re- right. released this dude's name. And I told you guys, this is the seventh mass shooting in the U.S. in the past seven days. So what, what definitely to, what, a lot where, going on. Where was the other six? Um, of course, you know, Atlanta. Atlanta, right? yes, Atlanta. People, including yep, six Asian women. Yep. Stockton, California. This was on March 17th. Five people who were preparing a vigil there were shot in a drive-by shooting. Uh, Gresham, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Four victims taken to the hospital after a shooting in the city east of Portland. Uh, Houston, March 20th. Five people shot after a disturbance inside of a club. One is in critical condition after being shot in the neck. The rest are in stable condition. Dallas, March 20th. Eight people shot by an unknown assailant, one of whom died. Philadelphia, March 20th, one person killed and another five injured during a shooting at an illegal party that there were at least 150 people at. And this in Boulder, Colorado. America never gets a break. We got to go back in quarantine. 
I missed it. I missed. I'm still. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on on the girl from Pennsylvania that went out to spring break and and two brothers thought it was a great idea to hey let's drug her and rape her and steal her ish like you know yeah, that, that's, that, that's a tough one because you know we both have daughters you know and it's gonna get to a point where our daughter say hey dad I want to go somewhere I want to go out and it's like I don't even want my daughter to go to the mall I don't even want to go to the Jersey Shore yeah but guess what you can go to that mall and then get shot by a mass shooter. All is bad. Well, the suit that was at a suit, and this was at a supermarket. A super- Think about that. All this that. is bad, man. Like, All this is bad, man. Pick your trauma. All right, man. All right. Back. You're checking out the world's most dangerous morning show. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. Envy had to step out, but man, we have one of my favorite authors on. Uh, I've, I've read. I think pretty much everything he's written, the art of seduction, 33 strategies of war, mastery, the laws of human nature, the 50th law, and of course, the 48 laws of power. Mr. Robert Greene is here. What's up, Robert? Oh, not much. Thanks for having me, Charlamagne. Good morning to you. Now, how are you first and foremost? I know you had a, a stroke a few years ago. How are you feeling right now? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm lucky to be alive, which is a good thing. And, uh, you know, I'm still in therapy. I can't really walk the way I used to walk. So it's a bit frustrating, but I'm dealing with it and I'm just happy to be alive. You know, and I'm, I'm also very happy that I can write another book, that I can be on your show, that I still have my most of my brain functioning. So I'm okay. I always talk to people about your book, Mastery, because I think it's so important. I actually have a show I did with Facebook and it's called Mastery of Comedy. And it's, oh. um, it's experienced comics that are helping out um, the up and coming ones, but that is basically yeah. based off of uh, some of the ideas from your book, Mastery. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's great. You should have had me on your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just a little Facebook show. I always look at you, Robert Green, as somebody that's like, you know, too Robert big Green. for that. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not too big for that. <laughs> did, did, did Outliers inspire Mastery? Because Outliers was ten thousand hours. You just expounded on the the, the yeah. length of hours. Well, I, I can honestly say I haven't read Outliers, so it didn't come from Outliers. I was aware of what he said. There's actually some differences between what he wrote in that book. I respect Malcolm Gladwell a lot, but when I write a book, I try not to read things that are too close to it that have come out recently, because I want my ideas to be my own. I'm a, bit of, I'm a bit independent that way, so I deliberately avoided reading it, but I'm, I respect him. The 10,000-hour rule, which some people now are doubting, actually doesn't come from Malcolm Gladwell. It comes from a very famous study in the 1990s. But um, mastery was just sort of coming out of my own brain at a particular moment in my life. What, what would you say is the difference between, you know, the 10,000-hour theory and, and, and what you put in mastery? Well, I very much um, believe in the 10,000-hour theory. Um, I was trying to show what would happen to the human brain at 20,000 hours, for instance. So mastery, the end point, is what I call a mix of the intuitive and the rational. You reach such a point where you probably are almost there, Charlemagne, with um, how many podcasts you've done, where you have a feel for what you're doing, a fingertip feel. It's almost inside of you. You don't have to think anymore. So at 10,000 hours, you become pretty brilliant and creative in chess, in music or whatever venture, or in sports. I wanted to go to the next level. What happens if you spend 10, 15, 20 years delving into something and repeating and, and doing it over and over again with still a lot of enthusiasm and excitement? You reach a level that's, to me, almost superhuman. 
like an Einstein, like a Da Vinci. So that's that's the only difference. And it's not just a matter of accumulating 10,000 hours. That's the misconception people have. Because you can spend 50 years, you know, in your garage painting and you'll eventually accumulate 20,000 hours, but you won't be a master. You have to be, it has to be intensity. It has to be the kind of practice that you have. You know, it has to be within a certain time frame. So that's the only difference. Mm. And what I like about uh, other things that I always use is when we talk about having your back against the wall, right, to get out of a difficult situation. And we always need to operate with that same type of intensity. And that's something that I try to practice, too, where when you're comfortable, sometimes you don't go so hard. But then it takes for you to be in a really difficult situation for you to say, "Okay, I'm at my wit's end. It's either do or die right now. And that's when you really spring into action. Yeah, that's called the death ground strategy. I, I did that in my in my 33 strategies of war book. I remember I was doing a book with 50 Cent called the 50th Law, and um, I you know I was a bit intimidated working with him, and it was the first time I'd ever worked with a so-called celebrity. And the first version of the book was actually not very good. I have to be honest. And the publisher was going to cancel the project. They weren't satisfied with it. They were being polite, but they weren't satisfied with it. And so we brought in somebody else as a publisher. And he said, okay, Robert, you have to redo it. And I can't, I decided I'm going to redo it. And, and basically the problem was there wasn't enough me in the book. It was too much about too much 50, not enough me. It needed to be a mix. And he said, all right, we'll do what you say, but you have eight months to write it. I go, eight months? And there's no way I can write this in eight months. I've got to rethink the whole thing. It's impossible. He said, well, that's it. It's either that or the book is killed. And I never worked harder in my life. Ideas, it was like what you say, do it or you die. It was either finish that book or I I would have failed in something and it would have been very embarrassing. So when your back is against the wall like that, you suddenly find energy and ideas and, and, and a whole other level that you never suspected was inside of you. It's interesting that you said you were intimidated working with 50 on the 50th law because the book is about overcoming fear. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't deny that I'm, I'm human. I have fear. You know, I, when I met 50, he was actually said later on he was a bit intimidated by me. Mm. You know, he, the guy who wrote the 48 Laws of Power. We're now good friends. But, um, you know... He's 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 a lot more famous than I am, and um, I wanted the book to be something he was proud of and that was really good. So having a level of a little bit of fear to me, that level of fear where you think that your project, that your book, isn't necessarily the greatest, that you have to up your game, that you have to make it better and better, that kind of le- level of fear can be productive. But the other fears that we talked about in the 50th law are, are very debilitating, particularly now in the pandemic. So, you know, I, I want to go back to something you said about mastery, because it's almost unfair yeah. that we age physically because, you know, you really don't become a master until later in your life, just based off experiment, yeah. experience. Right. Is that why LeBron and Tom Brady are such anomalies, because they're able to maintain physically and so mentally they're just masters at their craft? I think it's a combination of both. Um, you know, you look at the two of them and what they have in common is that they're in, they're incredibly, incredibly good shape. And it's not just uh, working out and their physique. They also have an incredibly good diet. Right. And so they understand that the, you have to treat the whole body. And they're also very much into the mental aspect and keeping the mind fresh and not 
you know, it could get kind of boring playing basketball for so many years, the same game over and over. You can get burnout. And to be at his level, 35, 36 years old, and to still feel like a kid and be excited, that takes a lot of work. So it's a combination of the mental and the physical as well. And it would be amazing if people in any venture, sports or writing books or podcasting, if you could go on till you were 80, 90, 100, imagine the wisdom that you would have at that point. But that's just not how we're built, you know? Yeah. How did the, how did the stroke change your perspective on life? Well, it's 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 not been easy. I must. I mean, I don't want to complain because now people are going through a lot of, of terrible stuff, you know, with the virus, and a lot of people are dying. But uh, I was someone who was very much into, um, you know, exercise to movement. Writing can be very stressful, and my way of de-stressing was taking a hike up here in Griffith Park, or going swimming, or going on my mountain bike. And in, in doing those things, some of my best thoughts would come to me. And I can't do any of that, right? Mm. So I'm sort of trapped here in the house and I have to learn. I still can do other forms of exercise. I've had to change my whole way of thinking. But on the other hand, it's really made me work on myself because I have, you know, I have flaws as well. Some of them are my impatience, the fact that I really need, want things to happen right now. I've had to become much more patient and in a way a little more humble, you know, because I, I can empathize a lot with people who don't have so much control over their life, whether it's physically or financially or whatever it is, because for a, a good year, I was completely dependent on people helping me just eat and, and do basic things. So it, it really kind of was a, a humbling experience. And I'm still dealing with it. I'm still learning from it. But it, it's, I, I wish to hell it had never happened. Mm -hmm. And I, and I often am just thinking back to just the days just before I had my stroke. My life seemed so beautiful, but I didn't realize how beautiful it was. And I tell people a lot, don't take for granted the little things you have right now. Because something like this happens, they, they could be gone. And you don't realize until after it's gone. So it's it's been um, it's been the worst and, and the, mo the most powerful experience in my life so far. Wow. I, I, I want to talk yes, to sir. you about the law of human nature. You know, it, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a great book. And, you know, you you talk about why people do what they do and how you can use both your own psychological fl flaws and those of others to your advantage at work and relationships yeah. in life. How much does technology influence the laws of human nature because to your point I, I think people wake up nowadays and they get online social media to even know what to think to even know what to feel i don't even think people's right. natural thoughts are their own they don't they right. don't tap into that so how much does technology influence the laws of human nature well so human nature is something that's that's something we don't we're not even aware of it's so deep within us it comes from literally millions of years of evolution and how our brains are wired from circumstances completely different from our very sophisticated technological society, how our levels of fear and how our emotions are wired, how we're extremely susceptible to the feelings and ideas of other people around us in our tribe or whatever, and how we're prone to feelings envy and how the human being can feel aggressive and tribal, etc. And so technology hasn't changed that. So 20, 30 years of the internet is not going to rewire the human brain that evolved over so many millions of years. It's ridiculous to think that. 
it, what it does is it makes things worse. It intensifies so many of the worst aspects of human nature. So I talk in the book of the power of envy. Envy is one of the oldest and most profound human emotions. We all experience it, right? But nobody ever likes to talk about it because it's a very ugly emotion. Mm -hmm. It's basically you wish that you have something that other people have. And, be, and if it gets ugly enough, you act upon it. Mm -hmm. Well, social media in which we are aware on a level unimaginable 10, 20 years ago of every little thing going on in your life, of all the wonderful relationships you're having, of all of the great places you're visiting, all your wonderful travel experiences, etc. It's just a, a machine for generating envy among people. And we see that having political consequences and profound social consequences. And so the idea that I'm, you know, the fear of missing out, you have to feel like you're doing what other people are doing. We're natural conformists is part of human nature. And this only kind of makes that worse. And then the fact that we have a dark side. I talk in the book that we have a shadow. There's a dark side to our character. Every single person has that. Well, on the internet, where you're basically anonymous, where you don't pay any consequences for being mean-spirited, for being for bullying, for saying the stupidest things. Here you can just trot out all of the worst parts of your character, pay no consequences. So it's just this this pool of of all the worst parts of human nature that that can that can just kind of sit there and fester. I mean there's a good part of social media, I don't deny that. But it hasn't changed human nature. It's just showing a very powerful spotlight on it. Man, that's such a good point, especially when you think about, you know, the dark side and how everybody has a dark side because, you know, you can look back at old tweets or, you know, old video or everything and you, you you can be looking at yourself and be like, Jesus Christ, who was that? You know what I mean? But you were fueling the machine that is social media because that's what was the gas that made it go at the time. Yeah, it lives off of outrage. It lives off of constantly generating people being upset and angry about things. And the angrier you are and the more you you know, you you kind of spew whatever your ideas are, the more people like you, the more you seem genuine, the more you seem animated and very, you know, full of conviction. So, uh, it's it can be very dangerous. And we've seen it play out, I believe, in in the Trump era and some of the the horrible things we went through for four years with his Twitter feed, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to talk about there's been a lot of conversations lately about ownership and entrepreneurship. And you have interesting things to say about self-reliance and how uh, partnerships and how you kind of have to have ownership in things so that you're not relying on other people. Do you think that's a trait that anybody can have? Well, there, you know, there's, we're all wired differently. Some people are not entrepreneurial by nature. They have higher levels of fear, for example. Um, and so there are people out there who are better off working for a large company. My father, God bless him, I loved him dearly. He worked for the same company for 40 years. You know, he was basically a salesman and he had, he's kind of working on his own, but it was with this one company. So some people aren't wired for that. But the world that we live in, I think, is just this a place now that kind of rewards that sort of spirit. And we're in a period coming out of the pandemic where all the signs seem to indicate that we're heading towards some kind of boom, some kind of economic boom. There's going to be incredible opportunity out there. People are dying for all kinds of new experiences. 
I know that for myself, we're all been cooped up in our houses, our apartments, and we're yearning for something new. And so there's going to be insane opportunities out there for starting your own business on any level. And so, you know, you have to deal though first with your levels of fear, because what happens with people is they say, I have a great idea, but I'm not ready yet. I need to find the financing. I need to find the help. And I'm, I always tell people, you go before you think you're ready, because you're going to learn a lot more when you try something. And you're going to find, like we talked about, the death ground strategy. When you, it's either get this thing off the ground or you're going to lose a lot of money. You'll find a whole, a whole other level of energy to you. But I think all of us can learn to be self-reliant. We just have to deal with that first initial fear of failure of being on our own, et cetera. And that's sort of what the 50th law was about. All right, well, don't move. We got more with Robert Green when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Robert Green. Charlamagne? You know, a, a lot of people nowadays, you know, to go back to the 48 Laws of Power, they, they stir up waters to catch fish, right? But we call them trolls now. Oh, God. <laughs> is, the, is the prize worth it for a troll to stir sh up just because? Yeah, I mean... um, it's it's that's what I talked about when I was mentioning the dark side of human nature, you know, so normally the reason what I taught where the dark side comes out from is when you were a kid, you were kind of this complete person, you had you had an aggressive side, you had a kind side, you would pull your sister's hair, you would tease her, you would do all kinds of mean things were like I did to my sister, and then you could be kind and sweet. And slowly over the years, it's kind of pounded out of you. You have to be a good person. You have to be nice. You have to be polite. You have to hide all of those dark, that dark energy that you felt when you were a child. And then you get older and you want to act out on it. Well, some people have that more than others. They never quite grew up. They feel like that kind of repressing that dark side was, was, was they lost something very valuable about themselves. They're yearning to let it out. And so trolling is the absolute best way at it, you know, and social media is like the perfect instrument for being a troll. You know, you can say the worst possible things and get under people's skin. And we're all we're all volatile. We're all emotional. I've dealt with it myself. When I had laws of human nature out, I would posting things out on Facebook and these really bitchy, mean spirited people would come out of the woodwork and would post the stupidest comments. I mean, I can I can withstand people being malicious and all that, but I can't stand stupidity where they actually think they're smart and they have some kind of counter argument to a book I spent five years researching and they in their little apartment on their computer who's maybe spent two hours thinking about it. They know more than me. You know, it really gets you angry. But I found, you know, I'm not going to deal. How do you deal with a troll? The best way to deal with them is to ignore them. Don't feed the trolls, as we say, you know, right. and we all dealt with it with Trump, to be honest with you. I don't want to get too political, but here, but he was like the troller in chief, the president troll of our country. And he knew how to get under everybody's skin and rile them up. And I spent four years getting continually riled up by, by his trolling maneuvers. And it's a great relief to not to have it anymore. But you have to, when you're dealing with a troll, you have to control yourself because their power lies in getting you angry and upset. And if you refuse to get angry and upset, if you refuse to take the bait and respond to them, 
then they feel like, you know, then they feel challenged. They feel like they had, they didn't win. So that's the best response to a troll. You know, in, in, in light of the uh, Me Too movement, right? Do you regret anything yeah. you wrote in The Art of Seduction? Because you even refer <laughs> to targets of seduction as prey, choose the right victim. <laughs> would you change any of that now? I think I would. I think I would. I wouldn't shoot, change the gist of the book, but I would. I, I, it's interesting because I've been having this discussion with uh, a few people who've been interviewing me lately, some feminists, etc. And yes, I would change the word victim. I think that's inappropriate. And I would maybe choose, change some of the predator prey stuff. And I think that, you know, we live in kind of slightly puritanical times, Ooh. I, I believe. Ooh. No? Yeah, I like puritanical. Now, I yeah. like that because me and my homeboy, Van, we always talk about, you know, there's these, there's these purity tests that you just won't be able to pass ever right. in life. Right. But for whatever right. reason, we live in an era where everything has to be pure. That's impossible. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like everyone has to, you know, virtue signaling. They have to show how, how they're, they're the most woke person, that they have the most virtuous out there. And so I don't want to totally get rid of that edge to it. You know, I don't want to feel live in a world where everybody in culture, rap artists, filmmakers, feel like they always have to toe a line. They can't say or do something. We can't be honest anymore about ourselves, about who we are, about human nature. Mm. We are not angels, right? We are descended from primates, not angels. And we have to come to terms with that. And so I'm afraid that we're entering a period where people are afraid to say their emotions or to express what's really going on inside of them. They're censoring themselves. Right. So and indeed. I know you say that that's, that is, again, fear, right? Because you're not able to just sometimes go right into the fire and be who you are because you're always concerned about what other people might think about you, what might happen to you as a result of something that you say. Well, I mean, look at the consequences now. You you, you say one wrong thing and you're, you're banned from some platform or nobody, you're boycotted on some level. So the fear there is real. You know, if I suddenly said something so controversial on this show, I won't do it. Um, where people are so up in arms, they start saying, Robert Greene is evil, he's the devil, we can't, we're going to burn the 48 laws of power. You know, I'd suffer very strong financial consequences. That doesn't so, happen to 50 Cent, though. It doesn't? I mean, 50 well, Cent, nah. I feel like he says whatever's on his mind, and it could be controversial, and it's well, still booming. Yeah, I mean, he, he lives off that, that's how he gets publicity, you know? But he, he, he doesn't, does he ever, do you ever get the impression that he kind of goes over the line, that he says something that's, that's that offensive? Yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, I get it though. You know what I'm saying? I understand it. So it's like when, but I, I put it like this, when he says certain things, it's not that it goes over the line with me, but I know that it'll go over the line with some people, but you know, he's, he's, he's an anomaly. It's like, I yeah. feel like if somebody else said some of the things that he said, it would be well, way worse than anything that would happen to him. For some reason, he's mad. I don't know if it's because he's been working with you, but he's mastered some <laughs> things and strategies where he's I, able to just, yeah, it's it's amazing to me. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe 50 said that, and then it's fine. Well, part of it's his personality. He's very charismatic. He's very charming. He's, he's kind of sweet. He's got a very good sense of humor. Now, I only got two more questions. I, I, I want to talk to you about meditation. 
Because, you know, that's mm-hmm. something a good friend of mine named, named Debbie Brown is trying to get, have been trying to get me to add to my mindfulness repertoire forever. And I started doing it over New Year's Eve, New Year, New Year's. Congratulations. And, oh, man, I love it. Like, I, I, it's yeah. amazing for me. What, what does your meditation practice look like? Well, um, I do a form of, of, of Zen meditation, which is a bit difficult. I've been doing it for close to 11 years now. And I do it 40 minutes after, as soon as I wake up. And I've turned it into a little ritual because I, I like rituals as a writer. It's kind of how you live. And then for 40 minutes, and 40 minutes is a pretty long time, I try and completely empty my mind. No thoughts, nothing going on. I can honestly say that meditation has saved my life. I don't think I would be here without it. Wow. And in this world today, with so many distractions, with so many things in our face, you've got people have to meditate i mean if you can it's 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 life-saving it's it's the most important thing for you my last question um do you do you think we'll ever have a true understanding of power and human nature well um it depends i mean probably not because i told people the the first law of human nature is that we deny that we have human nature we don't want to admit it we don't want to admit that we can be irrational or aggressive or grandiose or feel envy or that we have a dark side on and on and on. It's always the other person. Power is a dirty little secret in our culture. People will talk about their sex lives. They'll talk about whatever it is. They'll reveal everything going on, what they had for breakfast, etc. But nobody will ever talk about the power, the power moves they did to get ahead in life. And we all have done them, right? We've all been manipulative in some way to get to the top if we got to the top. So there's a lack of honesty about who we are and about our desire for power and the things we do for power. And I don't think that's getting any better, you know. Maybe in 200 years, uh, a ray of light will will hit Earth and people will, will change and they'll suddenly be more self-aware. And that would be a wonderful thing. But I wouldn't bet on it. Wow. Well, man, thank you, Robert. You know, thank you for all your literature, all the information you've given us over the years, the conversations you create. Thank you for Ryan Holiday, who's also become one of my favorite authors. And and I can't wait for your next book. Oh, that's my guy. Well, we have, well, we have, I have a book coming out that Ryan has helped me with in the fall. It's, you know, Ryan's Daily Stoic. Yeah, I read it every morning. All right, I'm coming out with my own version called The Daily Laws. It'll be out in September. Wow. Ryan sort of inspired that. Wow. Very similar to that. Yeah. Wow. Just well, finishing that up right now. Robert, thank you very much. Can't wait for that uh that, that daily power book and daily law book in September. Okay. All right. Well, all right, great. Peace. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. This is the rumor report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Well, Demi Lovato's movie, Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil, it's a four-part documentary that premieres today, actually, on YouTube Originals, reveals a lot. And in this docuseries, she talks about uh, dealing with her addiction and also a nearly fatal overdose in 2018. Here is the trailer. I crossed a line that I had never crossed. Are we talking about heroin? Are we doing that? Is she alive? People are gasping. Her oxygen levels were dangerously low. I said, what do you mean she's going to make it? We're watching all of her blood come out of her body into a machine. She was like, I can't, I can't see, I can't see anything. I had three strokes. I had a heart attack. 
My doctors said that I had five to ten more minutes. And what, what was that Sheesh. doctor that, that called up here and said, yeah, you could be, you know, a lot of people could be a functioning heroin and heroin addict? Well, you, ain't gonna never, you ain't gonna never get off Dr. Carl Hart, huh? <laughs> this lady, this, this lady <laughs> had heroin, had strokes and heart attacks, mm -hmm. had to take the blood out of her system. And she's rich. And she's rich. Right. Well, 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 Dr. Carl Hart would say that she um, should be able to test her drugs, right, <laughs> to see what's in it, right? Because if, if she probably took something that had other things in it other than pure well heroin. she did she, she said she mixed she said she had that night done meth and she had never done it before and she mixed it with ecstasy coke weed alcohol and oxycontin so that was the night of the first relapse when yes all of that happened that so it hard, feels like he and he also did say mixing all these drugs together is normally what leads to people overdosing and she could have died from that. She said she has brain damage, that she still deals with the effects of that today. She said, I don't drive a car because I have blind spots in my vision. She said she had a really hard time reading for a long time. And it was a big deal when she was able to read a book because her vision was so blurry from that. So you can start watching that docuseries. She also said that it was an untreated eating disorder that led to her relapse. She read a magazine that said she was morbidly obese. And the body shaming is actually what led to her relapse. I know these three words are easier said than done, and they sound cliche, and I don't necessarily agree with the Reagans at all, but damn, just say no, bro. <laughs> it's, just, it's just easier to keep people from even getting into that world. I'm with you. Than it is trying to just figure out the right way to do the no. wrong thing. And also body shaming and all of that. Just She said she had to stop reading articles about herself. And that also helped her because people were talking about her and, you know, that's not easy to deal with either when you're in the public spotlight. She's been working since she was 10 years old. All right. Now, comedian Gary Owens, estranged wife, Kenya Duke, has gone on social media. Now, she posted something and we don't know what's going on here, but somehow Claudia Jordan and a mystery friend, a mystery woman is involved. She posted, I have all your info. I'm going to deal with you in a minute. I'm a little busy now. You can have him, but you can't disrespect me and my kids in the process. She told Gary Owen, let her know a storm is coming. And then she put in the caption, try to be quiet out of respect for my kids. But Claudia Jordan has me on one this morning. 23 years together. Gary didn't have ish, but a raggedy pickup and good credit, no place to live. And then she posted, your old ass should know better. Married, not separated, married. And then she posted to at Gary Owen comedy, all the energy you spent lying, acting and creating a fake narrative for these bitches that want to be me. You could have done it with a veggie burger and a glass of fake filtered water. Then she said, white women are not involved. Hashtag not Claudia. Hashtag Claudia's friend. Hashtag dragging me back to 98th MacArthur Street mindset. Jeez. What the hell are y'all talking about this morning? I don't know. And guess what? Neither does Claudia Jordan. Here's what she had to say. I guess the story is that I somehow, that he cheated and the woman is my friend. First of all, in my 20 years of knowing him, not one of my friends have ever told me or have ever implied that they have messed with this man. And also know as adults, sometimes people break up, y'all, and it's not as scandalous as you want it to be. It's none of our business. But all I came out here to tell y'all is that I have absolutely nothing to do with it. I do not have a friend in Dallas or anywhere else that is this man's mistress. I don't know of any woman that's his mistress. I do not know what the hell y'all talking about. One thing she said in there is very true. It is none of our business, but the problem is all of this stuff plays out on social media. So when it plays out on social media, people think it becomes their business because now they feel like they have to have an opinion about it. And I wish none of this it's stuff had to play out on social media.
When I saw this, I went right to Claudia's page to see if she had responded to it. And I saw she was on a flight and all her comments, people were going at her. And she was like, what are y'all talking about? What did, I'm on a flight right now. I don't know what's happening. So, so she said a raggedy ass pickup truck, bad jokes and good credit. What did she say? <laughs> you just doing no the bad joke. I think no, you're doing well, the bad I'm jokes. Just, I hope Gary, I hope Gary Damn. roast your ass. No, Gary, it's funny. I'm just asking <laughs> said what she said. She said a raggedy pickup and no good reason. credit and no place to live. Oh, she no didn't say nothing live. about bad jokes. You just jokes. on it for no reason. <laughs> I didn't mean it though, so I was asking a question. Gary, I want you to heat in I was asking a question. When you get out of your depression or your funk or whatever it is, I mean, Gary, I want you to heat Envy's ass up. You're just going to throw bad jokes I didn't mean to throw bad jokes. I asked what she said. I don't know what it Veggie burger has to do with it. But That's what I'm just asking. Right, it's just mad random stuff. I was just asking what it was. That's all. I wish nothing right, play out on social media. I really don't. That is play out regardless. Your rumor report. I hope they, they, they work things out, man. Gary's a good dude. No, don't try to throw that on him now. If you said that, man, I, yeah, I'm joke. just asking a question. I can't you should have said Gary's a funny dude. He just asked up, Gary. I asked what she said. He that never, was he, it. He in here dressed like one of the pink <laughs> ladies from Greece this morning, looking like Frenchie, looking like he date duty. And he got the nerve to talk about you. Jump on his ass when you get a chance. Ever since Gary. he joined the pink ladies, he's talking real tough. Talking these days. tough. Mm -hmm. He got a little gang now. Because <laughs> it's him and Frenchie and Sandy. And I don't even know who those women are. You know who the pink ladies are. I don't know who the pink Don't act like you don't know who the pink ladies are. Pink power pups, I don't know. I got my pink. It's you too. and it's Rizzo Guys, and Jan go. and Smarty and Sandy and <laughs> Frenchie and it's Envy. Sounds like the Golden Girls over there. That's right. Y'all are. Uh -huh. <laughs> Put your little jacket. Put your little pink Hello? satin jacket back on. Right, you know what? Who are you giving your donkey to? I put my jacket back on. Let's talk Christian sex for after the hour. I'm not putting my jacket back on. I'm not going <laughs> to speak to you today. Mean? I don't know what you Let's doing. talk about Christian sex. I don't want to play with you today. Christians right. have sex too. Donkey what do you think Christian Mingle is for? It's the Breakfast we'll Club. We'll talk about it. <laughs> The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Mountain Dew is partnering with HBCUs in an effort to uplift the next generation of badass black innovators and entrepreneurs with the Real Change Opportunity Fund Pitch Competition. Empowering students to go out and do. Visit mountaindew.com slash real change to enter. You are a donkey. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, huh? I'm going to fatten all that shit around your eye. They want this man to throw them blows, man. They're waiting for Charlemagne to tap them gloves. Let's go. They had to make a judgment of who was going to be on the Donkey of the Day. They chose you. They chose you. They chose you. Yeah, Donkey of the Day for Tuesday, March 23rd, goes to a former Louisiana priest named Travis Clark. Travis Clark is 37 years old, and he's a former priest. Did I say that already? Yes, I did. But he is a former priest. I'm saying that for a third time. Why is he a former priest saying it for a fourth time? Well, he's a former priest saying it for a fifth time because he wasn't practicing what he was preaching. Okay, it's a lot of that going around nowadays, and I don't know how y'all live that way. Okay, I'm too in my own head about everything to live that way way that's one of the reasons i'm in therapy every week that's why i meditate the way my anxiety is set up i'm always questioning everything okay anxiety be like okay but what if i be like i got this leave me alone we've gone over this a hundred times already and we totally resolved it then anxiety be like yeah but i've looked at it from a new angle and there's like 20 more reasons why you should be worried about it than me i just sit there and then i tell anxiety go on continue tell me more and this is why I could never just lie to people. And I'm a human who loves to lie for no reason. But I tell the kind of lies that you will hear and say to yourself, I know he's lying, but you have to see for yourself. And when you find out I'm lying, you're not really mad because you knew I was lying to begin with. For example, last week, 
I told Envy that security was dealing with a guy downstairs who refused to leave until he got a kiss from our pink Power Ranger DJ Envy. <laughs> now, Envy, did you believe me when I told you that? Yes. No, you didn't. I you did. did? Yeah, I called security. Security was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> see? Why would you believe that, though? That's you. Huh? But see, but that's my point. You know it's me. You know I'm lying. I'm saying all that to say I'm just not built to lie to the masses. Okay? Just envy. All right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not built to lie to the masses, okay? Pastors, relationship coaches, spiritual gurus, all these people who need these cult-like followings to make a living, to make a dollar, manipulating folks, pretending to be something they are not, no. Okay, but it's not going to stop anytime soon because this online era we live in really rewards people for performing. Everybody is an avatar. They log online and become people they are not in real life. But one thing about those performances, though, the curtain will always fall. Yes, when you are performing and not truly being who you are, not being authentic, the curtain will eventually fall and the show will be over. That's why Travis Clark is a former priest. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a former priest because his idea of the Trinity is different than the idea of the Trinity that most religious folks know, Christians in particular. Uh, they know the Trinity as the unity of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Godhead is what I think they call it, the Godhead. Now, Travis Clark believes in the Trinity as being one dominatrix. Am I pronouncing that right, Yee? Dominatrix? Yes, that's Sounds correct. Sounds right. Uh, so, yes, Travis Clark believes in the Trinity as being one dominatrix, uh, two dominatrixes, and him. Okay? <laughs> I don't know what kind of head you call that, but I'm sure someone was involved. Would you like to know the full story? Let's go to WWL-TV, CBS 4 for the report, please. By now, you've likely heard about the burning of an altar at a Pearl River church. Investigator David Hammer brought you the story this week about Father Travis Clark and his sexual misconduct inside St. Peter and Paul Church in Pearl River. Now, according to documents, a passerby spotted Father Travis Clark half-naked having relations on the altar. <laughs> the women, Melissa Chang and Mindy Dixon, were dressed in corsets and high-heeled boots. And in those documents, there were adult toys, stage lighting, and a mobile phone, as well as a separate camera recording it all. Father Travis Clark. You in the church on the altar having sex using holy water is lube. Listen, man, the flesh is weak. We all fall short. I'm sure Travis Clark has preached against this kind of behavior, but this is where the narcissism comes into play. This is when the ego takes over. It's one thing to fall short and have sex. Okay, you, you human, Father Clark, I get it. You made a mistake. But to have sex in the church? Atop a church altar? That's like sleeping with another woman in your house in the bed you share with your wife. When you as a priest move like that, you don't care about the church, the congregation, yourself, and you can't truly care about God or his wrath either. Now, I was reading up on Christian sex life this morning. And it's a website called Bible Reasons, and it says Christian sex life is amazing. Sex within marriage is a blessing from God, and married couples are free to do any sexual position they want, whether you want to do missionary or something else. Sex within marriage is God's gift to us, so you're free to do whatever between the two of you only. We are not to have threesomes and sex with multiple people, nor are we allowed to bring pornography in the bedroom. So, Father Clark, you did a threesome in the church, on the church altar with two women you not married to. 
Five o'clock, you're going to hell. Those are the rules, okay? Are those still the rules? Hell still exists, right? Do, okay, do not pass gold, do not collect 200. Go to hell, Father Clark, okay? You could have been on Christian Mingle, finding a wife, so you could have nice, guilt-free, marriage, sinless sex, but no, you want to have threesomes on the church altar. Now you got to go to hell, okay? I think God would have forgiven you if you would have did this in a hotel, but on the church altar? The church altar? Nope, you got to burn, okay? Please, in the name of God. Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Let Remy Ma give Father Travis Clark the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw. You stupid motherfucker. You dumb. They had to set the whole church altar on fire because of Father Clark. You're checking out the world's most dangerous morning show. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest joining us this morning, Cynthia Arrivo. Welcome. Thank you very much. Hello. <laughs> good morning, Cynthia. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. Well, obviously, we're here to talk about uh, the genius Aretha series that you're starring in as Aretha. So were you a huge fan of Aretha? Because I know you're already a singer and a songwriter. What was your connection before the series? Yeah, um, I was a big fan. Uh, I'm a big fan. I started listening to her maybe when I was about nine. And I fell in love with how she communicated through her music, how she was able to like commit a feeling, an emotion, uh, and a circumstance through song. And I was learning through her how to do that for myself. So huge fan. So how did this role? How did this role come about? I was uh, on the red carpet at the Tonys and I was asked by Mark uh, at Variety to sing my favorite song or like my guilty pleasure song and Ain't No Way was one of my songs. And, and in fact, he didn't ask me to sing, he just asked me what it was. And then when I told him what it was, he sort of gave the nod, well, sing some of it, please. So I sung a bit of the song and that went back to Brian Grazer and Clive Davis. And then I got a message saying that they had heard me sing this on the red carpet and that they wanted me to come in and talk about playing the role. Cynthia, what's the most important thing when it comes to playing these roles? Because the first thing I think is when I see it, I say, she don't look nothing like Aretha Franklin. So what's the, <laughs> what's the most important thing? I think the most important thing is whether or not you can find the essence of that person, because it's one thing to mimic a person, but that's not what I am. I'm not a, I'm not a mimic. I can't do that. That's not what I, I'm not an impressionist. Um, and if, that's all I was. The rest of the story couldn't be told. So I guess it's wanting to tell the story as fully as possible. Uh, it's wanting to find out what the essence of her was. It's finding out what her music did and how her music was sung and the me the method that she was singing in, the technique she had. And it's uh, the, I think, the want of everyone around me as well to want to tell it. Just the same as Dinah Ross did for Lady Day. Mm -hmm. She looked nothing like her, but she had her essence down to her teeth. It was really special. So were you able to speak with her family before doing this and, and maybe get some insight about her life and, and anything like that? I wasn't able to speak to her family, but I'm lucky enough to know a lot of people who were very close to her. So I spoke to a lot of those people. I had a conversation with Miss Felicia Rashad as well about uh, Aretha and Lynn Terman actually spoke to us about their relationship and how he felt about her. And that was a wonderful thing to, to find out too, yeah. It was difficult, I think, for you to be in this position, right, where you want to play this iconic role, but then there was so much controversy with the family and everything as whether or not they wanted this to even happen. So how did that play into your decision? The thing is, I didn't know 
about what was happening with the family prior to this. All of this is sort of like coming out in the wash now. So for me, I, I had already believed that everyone had the information and the, the permissions that they needed. And as far as I knew, they were already speaking to the estate ha that had already allowed for this to to happen. So my job was just to, to play the Queen of Soul as fully and as truthfully as I possibly could, yeah. And it's, it's heartbreaking because for me, I love her. Um, I would never do anything that causes any harm to her. I would never do anything that doesn't show her in the light that she's meant to be shown. Uh, the woman had an incredible life, an incredible career and had to work through some really tough things. And I think that the thing that we get to show with this is how much she had to work to get to where she was and how, how difficult it was at the time that she was living through to get to the thing that we know now. Um, which for me makes her even more of a hero than we realized. Did you have any reservations uh, play, to play this role because of the Respect movie that's coming out later this year with Jennifer Hudson? No, for me, I think that the more the merrier. I think there's a, a strange understanding that we can only have one, uh, but we have many Marilyn Monroe films, many Judy Garland films, many President's films of who which name the president and we have more than one. And I thought that what a wonderful way. I knew that she would get her wish with Jennifer Hudson and she would get an extra with my version. So you were singing for real in the series? Yeah. That's a lot of pressure too, to be singing these Aretha songs because you know everybody's like, okay, but you did amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I've been singing her songs for a long time now. Um, she's who I learned from. So I was really excited to learn the intricacies of the decisions she would make in a song. No one song is the same. Uh, she has her own very special way of singing everything. Uh, and it, one song can be sung in three different ways if you if you listen to the different versions by Aretha. And I took the time, every song that we had, an hour or an hour or two, to work through every single one to make sure that I could get the small bits and pieces, the small details that she would have in her songs, yeah. But you sing though, right? Don't you My got favorite song is this I do, I do sing, yeah. <laughs> you got an album coming out this summer, right? I do, yes. <laughs> Who you sign yeah. with? Uh, Verve Universal, yeah. Okay. So you're doing a lot during this pandemic. <laughs> you got an album during this pandemic. You're acting during this pandemic. You're doing a lot. You're making sure your time is, is, is you're doing your time the right way. <laughs> I was recording it whilst I was doing Aretha. So we would finish in the week and I would have to go and vocal everything after on the weekend. So we get, the week was full of Aretha, the weekend was full of me singing. How do you dump that though? I mean, you, you, you channeling like this great diva during the week. Like how yeah. do you put that to the side to focus on the energy you want to put out in your music? I don't know that you can completely put it aside. I think that in a way you kind of have to, you have to use it. I guess I was using the inspiration that I was getting from, from doing this show at the same time, the details that she would have, the detail oriented way she would use her music, the, the style. And I know who I am individually, but there's a, there's a real passion in, in Aretha that I sort of, I already had, but was amplified because I got to play her. So I kind of used it, I guess. It's, it's a, a great thing to be able to use that kind of energy to, to perform. You sort of get fired up, really, yeah. Just even for yourself, right, in preparing for this role, and did you know a lot of things about Aretha or did you learn a lot while doing this? Because I was watching it, and I love Aretha Franklin. Mm -hmm. I was When her house was for sale in Detroit, I was like, it had this big rose in the middle of the carpet. I was like, man, I wish I could buy this Aretha house. That's like a monumental thing. Yeah. But even when you're yeah. watching the first couple of episodes, you're you're learning a lot about her childhood and how crazy it was. Yeah. I knew I knew some things and I learned some things. Um, 
you know, I think it's an incredible feat to be able to be who she was after being a mother at such a, an early age. And I, I knew it, but when you're working through it and you're, and you're putting it in context, it becomes even more amplified that this woman had to be a mother and a young woman before she was even ready to, but still was able to work through that and become Aretha Franklin that we, we know and love. I didn't know how deeply she was working with the civil rights movement. I didn't know that she had a relationship with Martin Luther King, yeah. didn't know mm-hmm. close friends. That was a, an eye-opening moment for me. And I think it was the first time that I was able to put into context the fact that she, that her Young, Gifted and Black album was because of that, that she had made a decision to make an album that spoke, spoke to the times that they were living through, that she was living through. All right, we have more with Cynthia Erivo. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Cynthia Erivo. Charlamagne? What energy have you channeled with Erifa? And, and Harriet, for that matter, that was hard yeah. to get rid of. Harriet was something different. Harriet was... Traumatic, ooh. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had, a, I, had a, I had a little mini breakdown after Harriet. Because it was just tough to get rid of all of the loss because as she was saving people she was losing a lot of her family at the same time and she was she had lost her husband she had lost her sisters she saved her family but i think she almost lost her brothers mm-hmm. um so for that i it was like this energy of loss but there's both both of these women have an amazing amount of bravery so there's this courage that i think i've picked up from both of these women yeah Yeah, we saw we saw lakeith stanfield said that he had to you know go to therapy after playing a role like william o'neill did you have to do that after playing a role like harriet yes still go to therapy for it um it's a lot it was a lot to Mm -hmm. physically and mentally both those things combined were put through their paces and um yeah i'm not in like Occasionally, I, you know, I thought she's gone, but even when I speak about it, it still like gets me. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's an eight part miniseries, so we've only seen the first couple of episodes so far. But what is hard to watch is like a complex relationship that Aretha has with her father. Mm-hmm. Right. So can you uh, speak on that and how you kind of delved into that when you were doing this role? They had a complex relation. I think she had a lot of complex relationships. And this one was significant because partially it's the reason why we have her. He, you know, had her out with him at a really early age and she was listened to by a lot of people and she was singing at a very early age. And I think that she loved him deeply, was very afraid to let him go when he was, when he was dying. Um, And still partially was that little girl who was afraid to be without her father. But at the same time, there was just, she was an adult before she was ready to be. And so there was this strange relationship of how do you compartmentalize and how do you work out how to keep this child a child whilst she's also a mother. That that happened very quickly. And so I think that it never really balanced itself, to be honest. Yeah. That that, that can be triggering too, though, right, Cynthia? If you don't have yeah. a strong relationship with, with your father and you got to play that role, right? Cause, because yeah. I think a lot of times for a lot of us, relationships with fathers sometimes are complicated because they feel more transactional than nurturing and loving like mothers. Yeah, yeah. That, and for me, that's that's very true. I don't have a strong relationship with my father at all. I think the last time I spoke to him, I was 16. Yikes. Now. Yeah. So, this, yeah. Ro- so this, this role hit a little different for you, huh? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. And you have your own production company as well, right? Yeah, it's called Edith's Daughter. And um, we are trying to make sure we show projects about women like myself and yourself in spaces that we never get to see, that we exist in already, but um, they're very rarely shown to the world. So whether it be Sarah Forbes Bonetta, who was essentially a princess in the UK, uh, but was basically erased from history, or a wonderful woman called LaDonna, who happened to be a security guard at JFK. And often they're the most underrepresented people in the space, but they're actually doing the hardest work. Um, and I'm always looking for those people. There's everything from hopefully espionage to historical drama. You know, you know, Cynthia, there's always criticism about non-Black Americans playing role of, roles of Black American icons. I feel like that combo might have started with you when you played Harriet. I'm not sure, but what do you say about that? I don't think it started with me. It may have started with David, maybe, but I, it definitely continued with me. Gotcha. Sure. What, what do you say about that? I say that we're still in a space of lack. And so what happens is we come at these roles as though that they're the, as though they are the very last time it can be played or seen, which is just not the case. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I hope that my playing something doesn't mean that someone else can't play this role and that British black actors are, are actors first and mm -hmm. foremost. Our job is to tell the story as truthfully as we possibly can. And I know that I didn't get into this career to play myself. I do that very well already, but that's that's not my passion. My passion is to tell stories of those who aren't able to tell their own stories. And that might be an American, it might be a Scandinavian, it could be South African, it could be Nigerian, it could be British. Um, as long as the story is something that I believe in, that's the story I want to tell. And hopefully now I can create more roles for other people. That's that's the aim. Right. Have you ever looked at an American playing a role of an African or, you know, a British person and said, that person shouldn't be playing that role because they're American? No, mm -hmm. no. <laughs> it's so strange because it didn't occur to me that that was, that was an issue until I, until I got here. Mm -hmm. I've never looked at, like, there are so many British roles that have been played by Americans, so many. And there have been African roles played by Americans, but... It's never, I've never been like, why isn't an African playing that role? Yeah. Why isn't a British person playing it? Because, you know, we're, we're actors. Now, also, I see there was a rumor that you were uh, in a relationship with Lena Waithe. That's our good friend up here. Mm -hmm. Any truth to that? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I understand we have to ask it, but if you ask that question and I give you an answer, that means that you are suggesting that I need to tell you what my sexuality is right now, which means that if I'm not ready to come out here, you would be outing me. Oh, I like how you threw that back on me. So let's. So I didn't ask that question, but right. check out Aretha, <laughs> the genius Aretha, and we appreciate you for checking in. Thank you so much. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. Gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela. Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. All right, another alley-oop for DJ Envy. Now, let's talk about, uh, this was trending yesterday, and everybody was talking about this guy, Derek Jackson. Now, I guess he is a relationship expert, and he's a, quote, relationship guru. And here he is. This is just one of the things that he talks about, about men being cheaters. You know, women love this talk coming from a man. I have no sympathy for a man who finds it to be difficult to be faithful 
after being in a promiscuous lifestyle, and neither should you. Nobody told you to be promiscuous before the relationship, and nobody made you be monogamous with just her. You don't want her, let another man have her. Simple. And more times, I would say nine times out of ten, when the dude gets caught cheating, that wasn't his very, very first time cheating. That was his only time getting caught. Ooh, well, a hit dog will holler. And it was exposed that he actually was cheating on his own wife. He's been married for four years. And a YouTuber, Tasha Kay, actually interviewed a woman that he slept with named Candace De Medeiros. And I guess there's other women who are also coming forward. Well, here is Derek Jackson, who says that affair uh, wasn't what you think. Listen. At that point, I had a beef with God. I gave my life to Christ and my whole life fell apart. My marriage fell apart. At this point, I'm not seeing my kids. And I really honestly just went to a place of, of effort. That was in May. June, she basically lets me know there's no plan for her to be around on my birthday. Now, I'm in screw it mode, effort mode. I'm hitting up old chicks. I really don't care at this point. One of those people was a girl named Candace. Now, here's the thing. So me and Candace have had a sexual relationship without actually having sex. Man, you are a liar, and you've oh always been a liar. <laughs> what? I've never heard so somebody So we had a sexual say... relationship without having sex. Does anybody understand that? Can you interpret that? No. I've never heard someone say, I gave my life to Christ and my, my life fell apart. That's that's a new one. Um, but I, I mean, you can have you can have emotional. You can you can cheat emotionally. Right. Right. You don't I, have to necessarily have sex, but you sometimes can you just gotta say I'm I was wrong. I messed up. Yeah, I was and confused with the brother. I, I, first of all, I, I was confused with what makes him a specialist. Right. He's been married four years. And he portrays his perfect and perfection. And anybody who's been married or been in a relationship, you know that there is nothing perfect about a relationship, about a marriage. There's nothing perfect. There, there is. Like, even with my podcast with me and my wife, we talk about everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. I talked about my, my infidelity. I talked about everything. Because that's what makes the relationship stronger. And that's what helps people out. But portraying that something is perfect, people look for this perfection. And there is no perfection. I talk about me being insecure. I talk about me being controlling early on in our relationship. But all that has has helped and built to what we have today and we talk about everything we still get into arguments we still have problems but we have great times but we talk about it and that's what relationships and marriage is about working through it well Derek Jackson also had said that he didn't sleep with that woman or anyone for that matter he said uh that did not happen he did not sleep with her but then he changed his tune he actually did a video with his wife and she was there with him she was wearing a bonnet um and here's what happened the truth is, is that Derrick Jackson was involved with other women outside the marriage. And by involved, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about just casually kicking it, maybe a lunch or something like that. I'm talking about as serious as sex and some things that otherwise may be considered okay by some. Um, but without my wife's knowledge of it and with us having a sexual history, all of it falls under the umbrella of inappropriate, cheating, affair, stepping out. Um, it's important that I first off let you guys know I do not stand by those actions. And then secondly, I know that I cannot build a platform preaching certain things, preaching against certain things. And then in my real life, live contrary to that. I know one thing. You have to let your wife get to the part of the Busted Challenge when Erica Banks' song plays before you put her online and embarrass her. Because she looked like the Nelly part was still playing. Yeah, she didn't. She looked <laughs> like she didn't want to be there. I was waiting for her to drop down and come up fresh. I, that never happened. She didn't look like she wanted to be there. And I would hope that they would... It, figure out their problems first before they go to the world mm -hmm. like figure out home <sighs> first don't 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 just have your wife up there and you're talking and she looks like she doesn't want to be there fix the problem first y'all get your therapy on y'all get what y'all got to get on and then you could address the public this ain't about the public this ain't about the world this is if you really care like you say 
This is about you and your wife only, and, and and fixing that relationship. Only, only thing I would tell everybody out there, I would rather be known in life as an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. Okay? Mm-hmm. And also remember that God will never bless who you pretend to be. He will right. only bless who you are. Also, in the words of MC Breed, ain't no future in fronting. Okay? All of y'all that be fronting and performing on social media because you get rewarded for it, just know one thing about performing, the curtain will eventually fall. So many people wake up every day pretending, trying to be what people want want, want, want them to be instead of being themselves, and that performing is rewarded nowadays, but eventually that curtain falls and the show is over. And finally, black men don't cheat. Okay, black boys do. Black immature young men. I haven't cheated since October 2016. Drop one of those bombs for me. Okay? And I, this year, I promise I didn't do it last year because of COVID. This year, I am going to get a coin made for all the brothers that I know who have truly rehabilitated their lives and have been sober and clean for a, a long period of time. Preach, bro. How long has it been for you, Envy? A long ass time. <laughs> a long ass time. Uh, it's been five. It'll be in October 2006. It'll be five years for me. And I'm way past. This year. I'm way past. Yeah, you, you. way past. Me. I'm way past you. Long but ass time. But once again, I'd rather be known in life as an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. Now I'm putting on my pink. You know why? The mix is up next, and I'm That's starting right. with Dipset. Dipset. No. Dipset. Dipset. No. Play it. Play his song. Play his Don't song. Don't you dare. Don't play you dare. His, play his song. Revolt. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. You are a tomorrow. member of the Pink Ladies Gang from Greece. Everybody else, okay. the People's Choice mix is up next. It's you and Frenchie and Sandy. Oh, stop it. <laughs> All right. Oh, stop it. Beauty school drama. That's right. That's what you are. Right. You date duty, Frenchie. The mix is up next. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Want to sleep great? Let Mattress Firm sleep experts match you to your perfect mattress. I found mine. Visit mattressfirm.com or a mattress firm near you to find your perfect mattress. Brought to you by Mattress Firm. Rest assured, we'll find the right bed for you. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's Women's History Month. We repping today, Yee. Well, today we are representing for Allison Felix. Now, she is an American sprinter. She's the only female track and field athlete to win six Olympic golds ever. And her nine total medals makes her uh, ties her for the most by any all time. She has 18 world championship medals and 13 world goals. It's the most in track and field history for men and women. Last year, Allison was named one of Time's 100 Most Influential People. And that is because of her work as an advocate for better maternity coverage for female athletes. Here she is discussing that. It's Women's History Month, and we're celebrating the most influential women in history. Check out this phenomenal woman. What, what was it like to have your daughter be witness, I think, for the first time now to, to these victories? Oh, it was amazing. You know, I want to be a good role model to her. And, you know, this year was all about fighting, you know, fighting for so much. And I want to eventually, you know, tell her that story of that. But she'll be able to see, you know, that I did try to overcome some adversity. So how did you know even that 10 months after an emergency C-section, 
that you were even ready to get back on the track. Seems your body would still be out of whack. It still is. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm still getting there, you know, ways to go. But, you know, just really talking to my doctors about, you know, um, this new body that I have and um, when I was cleared to get back out there. And I started slowly. It was a gradual process. I started walking and eventually weighed my, made my way back. Did it feel really different? It did. You know, I was, it's very humbling. You know, things yeah. that once came really easy to me were now very difficult. Well, I was going to say, it's distressing to point out that most of the other countries that you're competing against on the track there, they, those, those runners come from countries where parents get protections in pregnancy and also uh, in, in maternity leave. You've taken a fight public to uh, make sure athletes get protections under these contracts. What does the country need to do and, and what more needs to be done at a corporate level to see changes happen? A lot. I mean, this is an issue that everyone is affected by. Um, and I tackled it in my industry, but I think that's just really the starting point. You know, I, that's what I want to leave behind is changes for the next generation and for my daughter. And that was another phenomenal woman in history. Yes, congratulations to Allison Felix. Well-deserved. She is truly a role model, amazing athlete. She was introduced to the sport late in life in high school, and she went on to win her first Olympic gold medal just four years later. Super dope. All right. When we come back, we got the positive note, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning. Now, shout out to Cynthia Arrivo for joining us this morning. Salute to Cynthia Yes, Aretha. Arrivo. She's playing Aretha in the Genius Series on National Geographic. It's two episodes that airs every night, up to a total of eight episodes, so you can still catch those. That's right. And salute to Robert Greene, man, one of my favorite authors. You know, 48 Laws of Power, The Art of Seduction, 33 Strategies of War, 50 of Law, Mastery, um, The Laws of Human Nature. I've, I've read all of Robert Greene's books, man. It was great to have him on for a conversation this morning as well. Yes, right. indeed. But you got a positive note? Yes, man. The positive note is simply this, and I want all of y'all to remember it, and please don't ever forget it. I would rather be known in life as an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?